Okay, delighted to be joined by Jason Ryan today. So, Jason, thanks a million for coming on. Uh, much appreciated. So we've been trying to get you for a while. Um, so, as low as we could talk about, um, for me, I'd like to get straight into your role as a coach developer because you've been doing it a long time and you've coached at so many different levels. I'm really interested in your views on that. So maybe we'll jump in there and you talk about, um, I suppose, your role as a coach developer and, and how you've seen that over the years. Yeah, um, I've been coaching quite some time. Um, a lot of the, the, the I suppose, the, the main crux of why I started coaching and, and certainly for quite a few years, it was it was all built in around being and wanting to be a PE teacher. Um, so uh, as a result of that, um, being put in different situations for different sports, like all the time you're being challenged and all the times you're all the time you're looking to evolve develop um and um you with each one of the sports or as you move from school to school you're 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 meeting new colleagues and different challenges and each one of the colleagues and each one of the challenges you face with a different sport or different ideas and different governing bodies that you have a different uh different per- perspective of different things and I suppose all of those rub off in different ways on you and you take some that you like and some that you don't like you maybe take a mental note that that's something that i'm never going to do i'm going to i'm going to rebound from that and go in a totally different direction so um it's a a constant evolution really um and I, i'd like to think that for majority of coaching that's that's the way it is okay that's interesting so you're basically your experience in terms of that of being a PE teacher has allowed you, has given you exposure to loads of different sports, loads of different um, governing bodies and loads of different people within different sports or organizations. So if you could pick one or two things there, what, what would be the, the biggest commonalities across good coaching that you'd see maybe um, throughout the various different sports or organizations? I think a massive one is, is, is planning. You know, planning and, you know, before you even start planning, you need to know what it is that you're planning for. <laughs> you know, what is, what's your intention? What's your objective? What's your, what's your rationale for doing it? And if the rationale is, well, I need to go because I need to go, you're really at nothing. And I need to go because training is on at a certain time. But it's like, what are you hoping to cover? What are you hoping that the participants are going to improve? What are you hoping that the participants are going to experience and um at the end of the session what are you hoping that they will have achieved um a lot of that can be aspirational because you go in with 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 plan a b and c and you realize that you know you've pitched it at totally the wrong level and you need to 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 adapt and change and the more experience you get the easier it is Stephen, to make those adaptations or changes but you know when you're when you're starting on the on the route in coaching or in in p teaching in my case then it was it was nearly a fear that if something's not working that you need to force it and force it and force it until it works. And sure, the more you force it, the the more that the chances are that it's actually not going to achieve what you were hoping it was going to achieve. And more often than not, when something doesn't work, it's our fault as a coach. It's not, you know, it's not the participant's fault, but they get the brunt of it at times. Are you not listening to me? When the reality is, it's how we communicated. And did we plan it well enough? Was it clear enough, you know, down to the details of was the was the area you're using the right size? Was it appropriate to give the appropriate equipment? Were the numbers appropriate? You know, when you were explaining it, did you verbalize it or did you verbalize it and demonstrate it? Did you demonstrate it from different angles? So on and so on and so on. So it's it's those things kind of going wrong. So yeah, number one for me absolutely is is the is the it's a planning with your with your intentions being so so important. Um 
the subject knowledge is something that I have found that I've gone in different kind of circles with it that I originally felt that subject knowledge was absolutely imperative that you had to be an expert in that area to actually coach it and the more that I that I started was coaching the more I realized well hang on a second this isn't the case you, you know you can you can you can if you prepare well enough for an area that you want to coach so for example I would have been uh, training cricket teams or uh, netball groups or whatever it might have been when I was when I was working in London and um it was a case i these are sports that were alien to me and i um or whether it was a volleyball team or whatever it might be and once you were able to develop sufficient knowledge of the game i felt that i was able to coach at a level that that we were able to have have it was it was productive and we were able to get to a certain level so then i think i was lulled into a false sense of hang on a second you can coach any sport once you get a kind of a basic knowledge of it and uh, then my kids started to do gymnastics and I volunteered to coach in the gymnastics club. And I, 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 I'd done gymnastics as a PE teacher and, and I'd done uh, different certified courses and whatnot. But it was it was fine for the recreational gymnastics. But as soon as it got to the stage that it, the girls were getting ready for competition, it was just a nightmare. I found it so, so, so difficult. The level of detail, I just, did, I, I wasn't able to relate to it. And I needed so much more time to study it. And I was... I was the I was the participant and that I, I was the coach that was annoying all the other coaches to explain to me, but why was that not better than that? And explain to me again how you achieve that and remind me is that extension at the knee or hip that they need first? And it was really 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 difficult and um, and improved over time, but <laughs> never improved to such a level that that I was going to be um, going to be totally comfortable in that setting. So. From a subject knowledge point of view, subject knowledge is important, but um, it's a, it's an area that I'm still trying to get my head around. Like how how really important is it? Depending on wh- wh- what what level you want to coach at, and sometimes when I be meeting parents or speaking to parents, saying, "Look, would you help out with the team a little bit?" And they say, "Oh, I don't know enough about the game, or I don't know enough about whatever." And I'm thinking, but you don't necessarily need it. Um, the and and I the last one I suppose and it's not the last but this is the last of for me the big rocks of them and it's it's people skills you know working with the participants and maybe if it's kids it's working with the kids and their parents and if it's adults it's working with those adults and having a, a relation a relate a productive relationship with them um and then with your fellow coaches managers backroom team whoever it is that you have a, a really productive working relationship and that's 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 really really so important to it's a it keeps the whole machine well oiled and that it's 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 working well and you're all going in the same direction and that there's not going to be any barriers or roadblocks because for sure in sport it's it's one roadblock after another or speed bumps all along the way and if if everybody is not I'm I'm not under this false illusion that everybody's always going the same direction but you want to try to get everybody as collective as you possibly can and that you're 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 that they're working with you and that you're working with them that as a coach um i'd like to think that we're not dictators i'd like to think that we are facilitators and if you're a facilitator to allow that process of development the people skills side of things it's just i I don't think you can ever 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 have too much of it you know it's just it's 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 
Yeah, it's number one. I like. I know that I don't mean to be in that necessary order. I know I said planning is so important for sure, but this whole people side of things is sure it's it's well up there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So about twenty questions that I want to jump into from there. Um, you talked about gymnastics and you going in there probably confident enough that you'd be able to handle whatever you was asked of you. You talked about the detail and the, the level of technical knowledge that you were you were striving to to try and learn and asking questions and that. So I have two questions on that. One, um, how was it in terms of a coach asking for help or, or was that a difficult thing to do? And second thing, um, was that you then would have had to develop a skill set of being able to spot these really, really technical movements or being able to potentially fix those? So how did you find that that transferred over to your coaching in, in other sports, maybe the ones you're more comfortable with? Yeah, I like on on that like reaching out for help. Yeah, I'm I'm always I'm always comfortable reaching out for help, and I'll, I'll ask for it often enough. And a big part of that probably is because of doing PE teaching, being on teaching practice, and you're being evaluated all all the time. So you're being evaluated by college, and you're being evaluated by the teachers who are mentoring you in the school that you're teaching, and so you're getting written and verbal feedback and you're looking to improve and you know the evaluations are affecting your overall degree so you're thinking right I want to make this as good as I can so I'm going to be looking for feedback so from very early on in the whole kind of coaching experiences I would have been looking for feedback to be as good as I can be and I think that's then that kind of follows on would have followed on then as I as a player you're looking for feedback to be a better player so I think that's something that I think is really important that you're there's always people out there that are more comfortable and better than you at whatever it is that you're trying to do. So reach out to them and ask for help. And um, um, when I was manager of Wexford, I reached out to everyone, anyone that answered the phone to me, I would have, I, I, I spoke to them. So whether it was looking for help from legends like Sean Beelan or Sean Boylan, what am I saying? Sean uh, Boylan or uh, Mick O'Dwyer or, you know, when you're in company with people like Mickey Hart and looking for, whatever little bits of information and help that you can get from these people and they're just so 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 knowledgeable so i think for for all coaches that's important that we 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 sometimes um don't have enough we don't develop we don't give ourselves enough time to develop and do courses and do different training and whatever it might be and um like when i when i started as a pe teacher i i got the job on on a couple of conditions so we had the interview anyway and the process was fine but the, the principal then called me in after the interview and said, look, we'd like to offer you the job, but there's two conditions. Condition one, you need to do a trampoline and teacher's qualification. And condition two, you need to get a minibus driver's license. So so straight away, you're you're being being told this is stuff that you're going to be having to teach and work in that is outside of your comfort zone. And so when you are the process, we would have followed for GCSEP and in particular A-level P, you're assessing the students on techniques and different sporting activities. So you're 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 not assessing necessarily just on their prowess in a in a game situation or whatever it might be, or so you're you're looking at their competency in different movements. So you score in, for example, if you picked athletics, you'd score according to your your technique in in a, in say it might be two tr- two field events and one track event. So you'd be looking at them maybe doing shot put, discus, and maybe I don't know what two hundred meters would say for example. So you're you're having to analyze the technique in these different areas. So automatically, if you're like there's there's huge transfer between shot put and discus and striking a slitter. 
you know you're using the same movements and so you're then you know so i think there's for right across the board the whole biomechanics and uh of uh and different movements they're they're totally obviously they're only they're totally transferable you've only no matter what sports you're in you've only two arms two legs you know you run the same way whether you're running with an american football in your arms or whether you're running with a gaelic football and you're going to run the same way if you're running a 400 meters or if you're solo and slitter down the field so it's not it's not it's not it's not going to be rocket science to 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 pick out the small little differences that are in it but that level of detail i think of being able to spot and fix skill deficit or even spot and fix not spot and fix but to be able to spot when somebody's doing something well because for the majority of participants in sport they'll 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 understand something far better from seeing somebody demonstrating a skill well than they will if the coach is talking about what it looks like when it's being done well so like being able to very early on in P classes, I would have been using the best kids in gymnastics to do all the demonstrations because I was just cacking myself if I was having to do the demonstrations, whether it was handstands. And I remember at the time, even if it was a forward roll, I was nervous about doing it. So like straight away at the start in the warm up, I'd be looking at at um, at uh, the the students be asked uh, it'd be a locomotion, and I say, "How would you move across the gym? Show me the most adventurous way you can move across the gym." And I'm frantically looking around to see who's walking on their hands because the the main objective of the day was to improve their ability to do a handstand and walk on their hands. And they'd be doing every demonstration, and and they'd be like, "How come you're not doing any demonstrations, sir?" I said, "Oh no, all of you, you're you're so good at it. I'm going to get you to do it." And I I I believe it's exactly the same way, whether it's whether it's camogie or football or hurling or whatever it's going to be that that um the participants if they can be doing the demonstrations and if you can if you can pick the ones that are doing it really well that they can they can be terrific and it's not role models or whatever but it's just it's just seeing be- better practice and that everybody then aspires to to do that and you know like i said a minute ago it's always better to see it rather than see it and do it is always going to be so much more powerful than just hearing about it yeah, and I can imagine there's an awful lot of uh, coaches and parents listening to this going, yeah, that's how I feel when someone asks me to demonstrate a hurling skill or whatever that may be. Um, just to touch back on a point you raised earlier on, you talked about planning and, and being able to um, think about the intent, what your intention is going out onto a session or, or why you're doing it, your rationale. Um, and you also mentioned about being able to adapt or to change if stuff is not going the way you want it to, right? So just from a really practical point of view, do you have any tips for people listening that they, how they could maybe apply that? Because I guarantee you there's people who are, let's say they'll be early in their coaching journey that are listening now and are going, yeah, that's how my sessions are going. But how, how can people plan to adapt for change? I suppose is, is what I'm asking you. Yeah, there's, there's two sides to that. And, and the first one is, is the why, you know, why do we need to change? And for a lot of coaches, they like neat and tidy. And so by neat and tidy, I don't mean that the cones are all the same color and that it's well color coded, which is important. You want the kids and the adults to see very clearly, I need you to run from here to here. Or this is the area that we're playing our modified game inside or our medium size, uh, size game or, or um, whatever it's going to be. Um, but what I mean is that for very often when something we perceive is not going very well, we stop it. And we want we move on to something else, and that sometimes we need to just allow it to happen. We need we need to allow it to fail. We need to allow it to not work. We need to allow it to be a struggle. You know, we need to um, let that happen and fall into that uncomfortable position whereby you think, "Oh my goodness, this is chaos." Because if you do very simple um, 
first touch practice. So your camogie session is on, your hurling session is on, and we're going to strike the ball over and back to each other, or we're going to run at each other and hand pass the ball. There's a very good chance that you can say, look, we don't want the ball to drop for a minute here. We're just going to keep the ball off the ground for a minute. That's our target. Can we do it? And there's a really good chance of succeeding. However, there's no multi-directional running. There's no decision-making involved. As, and, and there's no... It, the, the pass is consistently the same length. So you're not even being forced to challenge your your technique at all because it's after you've done it once you're able to do it i'm able to do this and you're able to do it without without any sort of concentration or focus but all of a sudden if you change it and you turn it into some sort of a small sided game or you turn it into some decision making adapted game in some way shape or form there's a strong possibility it would be absolute chaos but the second time you do it, it'll be a little bit less chaos. And the third time, it'll be a little bit less chaos, which will eventually get to where you actually want to get to. So it's sometimes don't force stopping. Sometimes just let it play out, let it happen. And I've noticed recently, actually, with the kids. So um, my my daughter is 12. So um, I've re- um, her season has started back and I'm helping out a little bit. And um, I was doing a, a three-person weave. And they were they're doing a three person weave with a specific number of passes, and they needed there was the end point was to score, but they could only score on a certain pass or whatever it might have been. And the girls were like, "We can't do it. What do we need to do?" And I said, "I'm not going to tell you. Let's just keep going." And what was happening was one group would do it really well, the next two groups mightn't, but the the and there was so there was there was nine girls in it or whatever it might have been, and I was trying to encourage them. Well, look at the other groups, see what's working see what's not working, look at why the ball is hitting the ground, look at where they're running. So instead of me being the person that's telling you, you must run there and then you must run there and 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 they're just doing what I'm saying, that they're not learning by any observation and they're not make, solving any of the problems themselves. And they got there, but the girls themselves, they wanted to stop. This is crap after two minutes. But seven or eight minutes into it, all of a sudden, they're seeing what's actually they understand it that little bit more and they're they're figuring it out and they're really getting a sense of achievement out of it and at the end uh, i said to them, well who figured that out and i said um we did i said exactly and that's that's what the aim is you have to figure it out in the game and um, so it's important with regard to you know the times that we maybe pitch it at the wrong level that we have an activity that we realize it's too basic or it's too complicated i suppose it's it's a matter of us maybe having other th- other things in our in our in our in our pocket that we think right I can pull this out and I can do it you know I can it's um, the emphasis here is on um, I don't know transition to defence or transition to attack or um, our our ability to improve our um, execution when we're when, when we're taking shots at the posts or when we get into the opposition's half or whatever it might be and we're thinking okay I'm going to have a more basic practice that is going to work. Because very often, if the practice we find is too basic, that's okay. You can just um, use competition and reduce the area, increase the amount of slitters or increase the amount of footballs, reduce the personnel. And it's easy enough to adapt it to make it more difficult. But very often, if something is too difficult, it can be challenging to actually make it easier. You know, that that if 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 the if the concept is too difficult, you know, you might only be using one slitter. So it's very hard to reduce that down, you know. So it's 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 important to have something else that you can use as a backup. But it, it's again it's it's planning, 
but then having your your plan b there available if you if you need to jump into it um so i suppose in one hand there i'm saying don't change don't change don't change and then the next couple of seconds later i'm saying to you have a plan b but it's being able to adapt at that plan b if, if you need to and i do think for a lot of coaches they need to be reminded like that don't don't feel everything has to be perfect. It's not. It's not a. It's not a job interview. You know, you, you, us as coaches are evolving as well. Like we're training the kids, and we want the kids to improve. We're training the adults, and we want them to improve. But us as coaches, we're we're also evolving, and we've got to give ourselves a chance. Um, I went to. Uh, I was doing a strength and conditioning course in Satanta College, and Colin Buckley was the lecturer, and uh, and he um, he went around to everyone in the class, and the first fellow to say, you know, what's your name and what's your coaching background. So for whatever random reason, he picked on one of the guys who said, oh, I'm coaching 20 years or whatever it might be. And um, he said, yeah, I'm coaching 20 years. I can't remember if it was Hurling or Camogie or Gaelic football. I can't remember. And Colin just turned. He says, well, are you t- t- coaching 20 years or are you coaching the same thing 20 times? You know, and that's that really stuck with me, like how, how important it is that we, we, we really have to develop all the time. We have to be evolving. And part of that evolution is activities that we're going to do that are going to crash and burn we just need to figure out why that's happening and and it's not necessarily doing something different it, sometimes it's just how we explain it how we show it how we demonstrate it and mm-hmm. for sure when i started um in particular as an inter-county senior manager slash coach i would have felt that i was had to entertain the players and make sure that they really enjoyed every training session and would have huge variety and would have spent a good bit of time planning but the longer that I'm coaching and playing, I realize that if your practices are really relevant and if they really hit the, really achieve what it is you want, and if your intentions are relevant to the game, well, you don't really need to change it all at the time. You just need to get good at those practices and adapt them a little bit. But the more practices you do, the more variety that you have, that also potentially means the more time you're going to have to spend talking and explaining and demonstrating and that the activities aren't really played in any way near what they should be played if it's going to be relevant to match pace and match type intensity and match type conditions. Okay. So again, I have about 10 questions I want to go into here, Jason, but um, you've mentioned uh, that constant evolution a few times. Um, So like you've been around coaching a long time, as you said, so have you, what's, what's the biggest changes you've seen in coaching? What are the biggest evolutions that you've seen? And that can be in terms of a formal stuff or the informal stuff, but, what do you think? How has coaching changed? Yeah, um, far more player centered. So, I believe right across the board, it's now more player centered than ever before. Um, we're we're interested in the person more. Um, how are you? How's it going? At an adult level, you're looking at how how's their private life. It's no longer private life because how's job going? How's relationships? How's everything and anything you're trying to do everything to support the the person as much as you can to help them in their performance um um thank god child welfare child protection guard of vetting is more you know like it's so 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 important and as coaches now you're you know you're you're making sure that you have all the relevant qualifications you know you're you you if you don't have your whether it's your foundation course or your award one or your award two with in, in, in with the governing bodies, if you don't have guard of vetting, if you don't have child welfare done, all of these things open your eyes up more to potential problems with that with kids or supports that you you are things that you have to be aware of. Um 
I would feel that back to the whole player-centered side of things, we're now give more attention to whether it's your goalkeepers, your free takers, your specialist skill side of things. You're, we're more analytical of performance. So it's no longer, it shouldn't be any longer a case of well done, we all played very well, excellent, well done everybody, well done, well done. It's it's now more, you know, we've sharpened a pencil that bit more. It's a little bit more precise as to well, what was good and we're thinking a little bit more about what those areas are. Sports science has developed so much. I remember in 2008 when Wexford, I remember going up to Belfast to meet a guy uh, to talk to him about a stats app. So it was it was an in-game app that would help you to collate, you know, kickouts, puck outs, freeze conceded, where scores were and everything. And it was revolutionary at the time <laughs> in 2008. Whereas now you can go online and you can you can pick up any of these apps for free. You know, it's not, it's not an issue. Go to the app store and away you go. But like that's only... It's only thirteen years ago, and it was like this is this is this is breaking stuff at the time. Um, you know whether it's an um, skills analysis of performance, tactical analysis of performance, you know physical tracking with GPS, or you know using the likes of MetriFit where you're tracking general well-being and quality of sleep and quality of food. Like it's just so much more of that that's going on, um, and all of these are they're important, but. It also this comes back to, you know, if you don't have a good plan, the intentions aren't clear. And if you don't have those people skills to work with the players, then you're you're still at nothing. So these are all additional things that are going on. Um, I think there's, for a lot of coaches, they feel there's a lot more boxes to tick. You know, as I, I speaking to different coaches, the group say, oh, I'm going to get a nutritionist in. And, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to get them come in and talk to the guys and they might talk to them for, or the girls and they talk to them for 40 minutes and all of a sudden everybody now is going to eat really well after a 40 minute chat and their lifestyle is going to change and their, their body fats are going to drop and everything's going to be fine and dandy or looking at sports psychologists to come in and work their magic in a one hour, one hour slot again that fixes everybody and makes everybody that everybody knows an expert on goal setting and visualization and so on and so on and so on so it's 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 sometimes where it's definitely a change that a lot of co and it's not necessarily for the better that a lot of coaches and managers are looking to do a load of things and sometimes there's a danger that you you're doing a lot of these things and are you doing any of them really well and is there more benefit in can we improve these areas and let's really try to help the the players in this particular area and get them to develop rather than maybe trying to take a lot of boxes and, and Jason, just on that then on the, on that box ticking as 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 we're calling it um is that do you think that box ticking is coming in because players expect it or is it because coaches are seeing other teams and particularly teams that maybe at the top doing it do you know what i mean or like is it the coach's ego maybe is it coach's ego or yeah, but sure, the Dublin 80s footballers have all of that. So if they have it, we must have it. The Dublin senior footballers have it. If they have it, we must have it. You know, and so there's just a presumption that, you know, this is going on. But you, it, it's a bit like the whole side of strength conditioning, you know, and importance of athletic development. Like, so I know so-and-so, he goes to the gym and often, I look at the size of his muscles. He'll be a brilliant strength conditioning coach, you know, and we bring him in and, We'll do our strength and conditioning for those four weeks and then we're strong and ready for the whole season and but there's no reference to reversibility there's no there's no reference to interference with other sports that are taking place there's no reference to age appropriate activities there's no reference to so many different areas so it's it's you know it's realizing that 
that you know we if we if we are doing something if we are introducing something to camogie to hurling to Gaelic football that we're doing it for the right reasons and that we're not just jumping on the bandwagon that that I heard this is really great I'm going to give it a go you know that that we don't just you know there's certain there's certain um, medicines are they're prescription only and they're prescription only because an appropriately qualified person needs to say that I think it's a good idea that you take this medicine. You know, it's the same thing with different things that with training, there's certain things should be done at certain times in the year. And there's certain things that should be done with certain age groups. And there's certain things that should not be done with certain age groups. And, you know, children are not small adults, you know, not adults, not all adults are the same. Not all adults have the same body shapes, not adult, not all adults play in the same positions. And it's something that, Definitely, you know, I've listened to different podcasts um, um, about rugby, and just and one thing that was interesting was uh, look is the turn of rugby from amateur to professional. It was a disaster. The amount of injuries the players are getting that they didn't know how to train. They were they they were full time rugby players, and all of a sudden they're training two, three, four times a day. But it was about volume rather than specific quantity, and that how it's evolved since then. Or you know, you have you have just. A little bit of a knowledge, Stephen, is a very dangerous thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope I hope anyone listening now um, that stopped the under ten managers going off and buying GPS units for their uh, for their go games, etc. Coming up. Um, so, can I ask, uh, Jason, how you've talked an awful lot about um, how you've seen coaching change and and how the 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 various different elements come in and and some which maybe tick the box and some which which might not be but can I ask how much what's the biggest thing that's changed with you would you say in in the in all the years that you're coaching or or teaching or or is there a big change or has it been small increment since all the time or can you point to any big things that uh, that changed you I'd like to think that I'm improving all the time and that I'm becoming more self aware. Um, um, I, I when I would have started coaching, I would have had a huge amount of self doubt, especially coaching adults. I would have been very concerned as to do I do I know enough? Can I really help these people? Can I really facilitate improvement? Why would they listen to me? Um, so I, 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 I but I would so I would say that the area that's probably developed the most is my own. The doubt is still there, but I'm a lot more confident certainly more confident than i would have been um um and i would feel that um a lot of the other areas i i think that i've continued like i I always had a desire to improve and do courses and learn and observe better coaches than i observe more experienced coaches than i observe coaches in 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 other fields other sports other codes other and and so i I continuously aspire to do that um the at the start of uh certainly being involved in intercounty my ability to delegate was fairly brutal it was it was it was poor i just didn't I didn't really grasp it as much. Like the at, at intercounty level now, the background teams are so much bigger than what they would have been when certainly when I was playing. So then the evolution into managing, I would have merged some of what was going on with what I would have experienced in the positives and the negative side of things. And um, whereas now I would like to think that I'm far better at delegating than I would have been back then. Like that's 
and 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 delegation sometimes is is collaboration you know you're it's a bit of collaboration with your colleagues rather than saying you're just doing this and i'm going to totally back off you know so that whole collaboration side of things i think is 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 vital too so just on that jason you mentioned that 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 self-doubt thing especially at at a at that high level so like you hear people talking about this all the time this like imposter syndrome that they feel that they maybe shouldn't be in the position that they're in but like how did how, how did that how did you get out of that was that just experience that went through was that through feedback was that through success or how how did that work for you um i think it was a combination of um initial success and then um um work just work prepare 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 and um um have it have it prepared to a level whereby you were you were you were giving yourself better odds of succeeding than leaving anything to chance and so spend that little bit longer at planning out the session planning spending longer at um at uh, at collaborating with the other coaches with the players um is this working is that working how can we make it better how can we like the whole evaluation process being so 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 important and evaluation is uh, with a group is not asking a group how are you getting on like that's that's what are you going to get you know the, the more vocal people in the group say what they think but it's getting feedback evaluating getting feedback all of the time and being open to that feedback and being willing to take on board like if something is if something isn't isn't rosy and fine and dandy you know you gotta you gotta don't take it on the chin like study it think about it and then act on it you know taking on the chin as if it's like you're taking a punishment it's not like every one of these kind of setbacks or and it's not a setback sorry that's 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 wrong all of these um maybe areas that are um that you you, you know your players feel that need to change or develop or improve as a coach they're all an opportunity for you to get better so it's just you know you gotta and and, and it's not even you know you gotta figure out why that was an issue or how you can improve it and what can happen. And like, it's, it's great. Like that helps with the evaluation, like arts with the evolution. Like we're not going to develop and evolve if we don't have these minor setbacks. And, and it's, it's, I'm sorry, it's wrong. I'm saying it as I've said it now twice as a setback because I suppose you're hoping that one thing is working. So when it, when somebody says, no, that doesn't work. It is a bit of a setback because you thought it was the right thing to do and think, all right. And it's and it's not about even being humble or anything like that. It's a case of you just got to be realist and realize, well, yeah, okay. If if I'm being told by these people that it's not appropriate, I got to I got to I got to deal with it and and figure out right what are we going to do different here. And 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 on that, that's probably something else like it's different. I I'm. I'm uh, I'm definitely more open to the idea that like the people that you're working with, with whatever team it's going to be, they they're going to have some brilliant ideas. They're just going to have some great ideas. So it's it's opening some level of dialogue that allows that to happen. Like when is an appropriate time to have some level of dialogue regarding your systems of play, regarding the tactics that you want to play, regarding um how you're preparing, how you're conditioning the players, whatever it's going to be, and it's. It's, it's having the right time. So for adults, adults rush to get to training sessions and they rush to get home again. So the right time for dialogue is not before a training session or after a training session. And in training, they don't want to listen to you. They just want to get on with striking a slitter or kicking a football. So that's not the right time to have that level of dialogue. So it's looking at, well, 
some other time it has to happen and um so but that's I, I and i'd like to think the more time you have for that dialogue that helps regarding the people skills and the empathy with your you know people that you're coaching on, on a whole different level so it's it's kind of win-win yeah no i, I just think it's it's refreshing to hear someone say especially someone who's coached at your level to actually say that they have self-doubt because you can be sure that 99% of people listening who are coaches are, have self-doubt all the time or, or have gone through that period, you know? So it, it's good. I don't think it can be said enough. Um, Jason, we ask everyone that we have on the show three questions to finish up. Um, so the first one is, what does the term successful coach mean to you? Yeah. Um, so I've got a two answers for you on this one. Um, the first one, successful coach for kids is a coach who has players that keep coming back for more and more and more. And that's for me vital. And the second part of that, the successful coach for the kids is that when you meet those kids 10, 15 years later or whatever it's going to be, that they are, that they're still participating in sport and they still enjoy it because at the end of the day, sport is there for enjoyment. That's, that's, that's why it's there for us. It's, it's, it's a hobby. It's a, it's a, it's a recreation tool. And I know it's, very very serious at a certain level but that's for a minority of the people that are taking part that have the opportunity or the privilege to to represent their counties whatever it might be um and then the the second part for somebody that's coaching adults um that for me a successful coach is one that the end of when you finish with whatever group it is that they are in a better place than what they were when you started and that's for me there it's a very different thing Adults are so different than than the kids. You're they're par- they're participating very often for the same reasons, but in in a lot of cases for adults, that winning side of things is 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 really really important. And um, yeah, but it's 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 it shouldn't be the be all and end all. Um, and the second one regarding uh, um, books or podcasts or whatever it might be for me, it's. Yeah, for me, it's 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 not. I I I think it's 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 the quantity of them and the variety of them that you go after, and that so more important nearly than the book that you're reading is the little book that you're writing down pieces of information from what you've just read, or the highlighter that you have that's highlighted a couple of pieces in the book that was relevant to you that resonated for you because we're all different and different things are going to kind of rock each one of our boats and. Just because you hear that that legacy was a great book and that you need to read that and it'll change your 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 viewpoint on things, um, it might work for one person but not for another person. So it's 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 just mixture of everything and anything. Go after as many books about Ernest Shackleton and his his adventures and his leadership, all the way down to books about rugby and books about ice hockey and. Um, uh, books about leadership and business and whatever it might be like it's they all have such relevance work because whether it's people looking at at marketing and looking at advertising and how that influences people and how that links back to like there's it's just i think it's about quantity and not any one thing you know any one book so i'd 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 be very hesitant to ever say the name of any one book or author that'll fix everything or anything Okay, another good answer. Two for two, Jason. Last question. Your top tips for a developing coach? Never stop. Never stop developing. Never stop evolving. Never stop asking questions. Questions, questions, questions. That Ask the questions of your participants to find out their level of understanding. Ask questions of yourself 
with regard to, you know, are you hitting your t- intentions? Ask questions of others to come and watch you and give you feedback on how you're coaching. So it's just asking questions, get better at questions. And the more questions we ask of ourselves and those around us, and the more that you search after that, um, it's uh, for me, that's the, the be all and end all. Yeah, that'll be the, the big one. And I think that's a, a great way to finish up. Um, Jason, listen, you've been fantastic uh, with your time, with your insights. I have so many notes written down here, but the, the main ones for me that jump out, you talk about that constant evolution that you want coaches to, to keep evolving. You talk about the intention, know your intentions for a session, uh, wh- uh, why you're doing it, with your rationale, and then developing the people skills to actually go and do it. Uh, don't be afraid to ask for help coach should be a facilitator not a dictator so hopefully some people are listening to that one and the last one and i have it written down and underlined uh, uh, that you said um it doesn't have to be perfect and i think that's that's a really good take-home message for everyone it doesn't have to be perfect if you're doing your best uh and and once you're thinking of that intention and that rationale i think it'll come for come true and come to the fore so jason thanks a million for coming on